0: This morning's Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 119, verse 119 through 136. You can find it on page 614 in your P Bibles. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from human oppression, that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant. Teach your de- And teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law has not been obeyed. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The New Testament reading for today is from 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. You can find it in your pew Bibles, page 1230. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love is from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son to the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us We love God because he first loved us. If we say we love God, yet hate a brother or sister, we are liars. For if we do not love a fellow believer whom we have seen, we cannot love God whom we have not seen. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must love one another. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Good morning, Sherman. Um, Am I on? You can hear me? Everybody can hear me. All right. Uh, So last week, I asked uh, Pastor Carrie what her favorite passage in the Bible was, and she gave me this one that we just read uh, 1 John 4 7 through 21. And I asked her why it was her favorite, thinking, like, she can just write my sermon for me. Uh, (laughs) And she mostly just quoted chunks of the text back to me, uh, which is fair. It's a lovely text, right? If that, that is one more assurance, I think, as if we needed it, that we have done a good thing this morning in uh, partnering with Canvas and uh, giving Carrie back her credentials. Um, If this is her favorite text, Canvas Church, you can know that she will lead you well, keeping the main thing the main thing, because the whole project of the church has always been about love, always. Um, Jerome, who's one of the church fathers, he was writing in like the 300s. In his commentary on Galatians, he tells this story about John the Apostle. So he wrote the Gospel of John and the Book of Revelation, and maybe also the first three letters, but we don't really know. Uh, Or these three letters, rather. Um, Anyway, Jerome said that John was a preacher well into his 90s. But by that age, he couldn't walk very well anymore. So people would carry him into the church on a stretcher, and he would kind of lean himself up and say, little children, love one another. And then they would carry him out. That was his whole sermon. <laughs> week after week, that was his sermon. Little children, love one another. And people got like, a little frustrated and said, like, why do you always say that? And he said, because it is the Lord's command. And if only this is done, it is enough. And John would also say, of course, that you should love God. And we can see that in his writings. But the two go together in such a way in scriptures that you cannot take them apart. To say one is to say the other. Look at what our text says. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. You cannot pull the two apart. And that flows all the way through Scripture. Loving God and loving neighbor are the same motion, done with the same muscles. The text has um, several sentences in it that almost seem to go too far in the direction of love, like they make my theological insides squirm a bit. Um, Listen to this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. If we love one another, God lives in us, and God's love is made complete in us. That's like, like we should sit in that for maybe the next 20 years. Um, the word behind complete in that, text, in that verse is telos, which has to do with uh, what a thing is meant for. It's kind of like the ends of the thing. So like a cheese grater finds its telos in grating cheese. That's what it was intended to do. So you could read the text like this. If we love one another, God lives in us and God's love accomplishes its goals in us. It does what it was intended to do. Like, isn't that amazing? Like, you want a devotional exercise that might bring you closer to God? Love one another. Then God lives in you. And God's love does what it always intended to do in you. Everything, everything is about love. All of it, the whole of our existence. Our preaching professor um, at seminary, Daryl Johnson, he used to begin his telling of the gospel with, these, with the words, things are not as they seem. Um, he would say, things are not as they seem. At the center of the universe is a relationship. Capital R, relationship. At the core of everything is a relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in a dance of mutuality of self-giving love, each one serving the other, pointing to the other, so much so that they are both three and one. And all of creation spilled out of that relationship of love. It was all created to share in the love of the triune God. And that divine relationship still holds us in being. Uh, Robert Capon says this whole marvelous collections of collection of stones skins feathers and string exists Because one lover has never quite taken his eye off it It is the orange peel hung on God's chandelier the wishbone in his kitchen closet. He likes it therefore it stays It is all love through and through and even when the thing went wrong Still, it is about love, and God's response has been love. Beginning immediately after the fall, God pursues his wayward creation. Beginning with a gentle question to the hiding humans, where are you? And when they are found naked and cowering in the bushes and ashamed and afraid, God makes loving accommodations. God made the first sacrifice in that moment to give them clothes so that they could stand in despite their shame. So that they could still have some measure of the love that they were created for even though fear and shame had entered the picture. And that same love continues to pursue humanity through Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Miriam, through temple and tabernacle and prophets and priests and kings and servants and Israelites and foreigners, through the people's bouts of deep religious devotion, and also through their capitulations to idolatry and oppression. All of it is summed up so nicely by David in Psalm 23. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It has and it will. God's love follows all of us through all of the days of all of our lives. And that love culminates in Jesus, which John points to in our text. God's love has always pursued us, and it is ultimately and perfect, perfectly expressed in the life and death of Jesus. God didn't have to do that for us. God did not have to come to us or walk with us or rescue us from ourselves, but God's love pours out in sweet abundance, like the wine at Cana's wedding feast. It is extravagant and it is surprising, but also it's really only surprising because we don't know love that well. Love is who God is. And if we really understood that love that is beyond all measure, maybe we wouldn't be so surprised at the lengths to which it would go. But we don't know love that well. Because we have been muddled by sin, distracted by the worries of the world. And so while we know that we still need it, we're still desperate for it, while it's still the very truest thing about us, So often we don't understand love when it comes, or know how to give it. So much so that when love himself came to the world, we did not recognize him. We despised him and crucified him. I like that John says, this is love, not that we loved God. Like our love doesn't compare this flighty, so often so self-interested and possessive so often just entirely i when we uh talk with couples early on it's always a bit of a red flag for me when we say like oh tell me why you love your partner and they say they make me feel so good about myself and i'm like "Ooh, is that love it is not that we loved god this is love john says that god sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, while we hated and harmed one another and turned our backs on our own creator, the giver of every good gift, the source of all of the love that we so desire, even then, God loved us. Even then, God sent his son to die for us. Even then, God did the unimaginable to welcome us back home to call us back to what we were meant for. So that we might be trained up again in the life of love. So that we might be wooed back to ourselves. So that we might participate in the love that is the Trinity. That we might be so immersed in the immeasurable love of God that it would change us. In this uh, very broken world, sometimes it's hard to believe that love has any power. And so we have to receive that love by faith, right? Knowing and relying on it, even when it feels safer to believe that we're garbage, to tell ourselves that we're not good enough, when we are disparaging and discouraged. We are invited by faith to quiet those voices and to hear instead the voice of the God who is love, ringing out to us. You are my beloved. We are invited to choose to believe that we are loved beyond all measure and reason by the God who created us and still holds us in being. We are called to let that love slowly seep into us, shaping us and filling us with its truth and its life and its holiness. And we continue that life of love by allowing the love that we have received from God to reach its fulfillment, its goal, its completion as we turn to love one another, shedding abroad the love of God through our own words and hands and feet. That is what the church has always been about. We heard it from Jesus, the greatest commands are love God and love neighbor. Paul tells us in Romans 13 and Galatians 5 that every command is subbed up, summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. James says the same in, chapter, in James chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that without love, everything else is worthless. Knowledge, spiritual gifts, eloquence, generosity, you could give, like the question that we wealthy people always have, should I give everything I have to the poor? You could do that, and if you don't have love, it is nothing. And in our text, we hear it again. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. So if you're confused about your faith, if you're unsure what to believe, stick close to love, and you will find your way. If God seems absent for you, Look for God's love coming through the people around you. That is where God's love is made complete. If you're not sure what to do with your life, follow love. Love your friends and your family, and love your neighbors, and love your enemies. That is what we are about. That's what we're here for. Now, of course, like I'm sure like 75% of you are like, but the church is terrible at this, uh, which is true. <laughs> We've never been great at it, right? And sometimes we've been really, really, really bad at it. Um, And I'm no exception, right? Like my own life, I can be cowardly and I can be manipulative and controlling. I can be like so concerned about what everyone is thinking of me that I completely forget that I'm supposed to pay attention to other people. I'm kind of awkward in an uncomfortable way (laughs) and I can also be impatient and unkind. Sometimes, I want to love, and I don't know how. And sometimes, I don't even want to love. In his book, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, uh, Eugene Peterson talks about this project of learning to love in the church. He says that some people look around and see how badly we mess it up and say, like, why bother? And he answers this, well, we bother because God is love. He created us in love, he saved us in an act of love, he commanded us to love one another. Love is the ocean in which we swim. So what if many of us can only wade in the shallows and others can barely dog paddle for short distances? We are learning and we see the possibility of one day taking long, relaxed, easy strokes in the deep. We are learning and it is slow learning, (laughs) but the church is a school of love, led by the one great lover. We set our eyes on the one from whom all love comes, and we trust that the God who is love is pulling us along, training us up, each in our own way and each at our own pace. And when we do what we can to join that work, and it is difficult and it is risky um, tony and i do about five weddings a year um, and i usually preach and i pretty much always preach the same sermon uh... i only have one thing to say there's someone here who's been to like eight of our weddings i think she's heard me preach the same sermon eight times uh... she's got it down i'm gonna ask her to preach next time <laughs> Anyway, i always say the same thing i always talk about how Intimacy requires vulnerability. And that makes it very dangerous. Since marriage is like this weird uniquely vulnerable space, uniquely intimate space, it is, can be uniquely and acutely painful like nothing else. And on the other hand, it's that very same vulnerability that opens up the possibility of healing when we are tender and honest with one another, when both people are following the example of Jesus, then that dangerous intimacy becomes a place where our deepest wounds can be tended to. And that's true in the church too. Most of us have been wounded by the church in some way at some time, right? And that makes sense because whenever we commit ourselves to love and hope for love in return, particularly with a bunch of sinful people, we make it that much more likely that we will get hurt and that the hurts will be deep. And in that very same motion of putting ourselves in this dangerous space, we also open ourselves up to the possibility of healing and of connection and of new life. We are all sinners. Which means that this learning the way of love, it's gonna be painful in many directions. And it's gonna include confrontation and conflict and repentance and forgiveness and grace, it has to. There is no other way. And we find ourselves both needing confrontation and giving it. Both needing to receive forgiveness and needing to learn how to offer it. And it's in that way, in this kind of push and pull this holy struggle that we work our way toward love. And that even and in that space, even our mistakes play a part. Even the ways that we sin against one another can, if we are committed to the way of Christ, even those things can become part of our healing. even those things can draw us further into love. It is a very difficult path. And it is the way of Christ. In Jesus' commitment to love for us, he took on soft human flesh. He subjected himself to the whims of sinful people. The vulnerability of his love making itself most evident on the cross. and. The possibility of love bursting forth in the resurrection. Our text says, in this world we are like Jesus. We're not perfect like him. But our whole lives are held in the love of God. And we are called to give ourselves to it wholly. God's love is our comfort and our calling and the path between the two. It is who we are, it is the ocean we swim in, it is the beginning and end of our existence. Canvas, we are so glad to be on this journey with you, held in the hand of our God, doing our best to be like Jesus in this world. Little children, let us love one another. Let's pray. Lord God, it is good news that you love us and that even in the hard moments of our faith or obedience, that still the movement is toward love, to learn to give it and receive it and to be who we are. It is good news. that you have forgiven us, made a way that we might do this thing with you. Lord, help us along the way. In Jesus' name, amen.